Hello everybody and welcome back to Elder Geeks Game Club. This is episode number 45, Primordia. My name is Steve and joining me as always is Phil. Phil, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you very much. And joining us as always also is the editor and owner of eldergeek.com, Mr. Randy. How are you? This fine evening. I'm doing well. Just before we started the recording of this, I spilled what can only be described as an absurdly amount of coffee on my desk. So oh, my wow. uh, my office now smells like you know powerful cleaning fluid. It's gross. <laughs> I'm always talking about those fluids in the beginning. Oh, I, yeah. and I have to start every. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us for the first time from uh, sunny Toronto is Joe, the host of the Upper Memory Block podcast. Uh, it's very nice to have you. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. And if by sunny Toronto you mean we almost just had a horrible ice storm, Toronto, <laughs> then you are exactly right. <laughs> I wish we had an ice storm. We had, like, record heats yesterday. It was ridiculous. I probably would have taken that today. But... <laughs> yeah, I was complaining about the heat here to someone out in the Midwest, and they basically were like, oh you know, boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, um, your show uh, is pretty interesting, I think. I'm, I'm a fan of it, and, and uh, it's pretty unique. Um, can you kind of give us a little summary of, of, of the podcast? Uh, sure. So, at home? Yep. So I do a show called the Upper Memory Block Podcast. Uh, it's basically a podcast about uh, DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming. Very specifically, I, I try to focus really on PC games from kind of the late 80s, say kind of 1986, 1988, up until eh, 99, 2000-ish. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and you just recently uh, celebrated your one-year uh, anniversary. I did, I, yeah. yes. I, Congratulations. I well, Wait, thank you very much. Wedding anniversary or show oh, anniversary? No. Show anniversary. Show anniversary. Show anniversary, <laughs> nice. Dude, I've been, I've been actually really excited about this because I've had a game stuck in my head for like the longest time, and I can't find it anywhere online. Let me let me bounce this off of you, and maybe you'll maybe you'll remember it or not. And then I swear we'll go on to the game club and talk about our video game. Sounds so there was good. a game that I played on my old 286. It was a it was actually a Metroidvania type game mm-hmm. where the plot was you were crashed on a on a surface of a planet and you had to go around and you had to find random parts to your ship to put it back together to leave. Your character was a little red circle, and I remember he had like uh, it almost looked like Spot from the old Seven Up game. Right. And um, the, there was no jump, but if you pushed the down arrow, he would, like, build a temporary platform below him that would disappear after, like, three seconds. And you could do those almost to infinity. So it was like, it, instead of jumping, you could build a temporary platform that would disappear. And then to shoot, he would fire, like, lightning bolts. Well, that, I think you, you, got, you got me on that one. Damn it. If anybody <laughs> would, out there knows what that is, I am, I am dying to find that and dying to replay wow. it. I was thinking Crystal Caves for a second, but it's not that. No. Because there you were a little minor dude. For the longest time, my memory was telling me that the game was called Starcross, but Starcross is a completely different old PC game from mm-hmm. from this one. So, well, anyway, I tried. If it comes to me, I will definitely, I'll, I'll blurt it out right in the middle of someone else talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, uh, what we do here on the Game Club is we pick a game and we'll play it for a couple of weeks and then we get together here and record this podcast where we have kind of an informal chat about the game uh, not really uh, an official review just kind of give our thoughts about it, what we like what we didn't like stuff like that and this time around we played the game primordia which was perfect why i wanted to have joe on for this episode because it's very much uh harkens back to that dos era of uh adventure games um and phil why don't you give us a little uh background Sure. So, like you said, it's it's an old style adventure game. It's a point and click adventure game developed by Wormwood Studios and published by Wadjet, if I'm saying that properly, Wadjet I Games. Um, it was approved through Steam Greenlight, and it was actually released through both Steam and Good Old Games, uh, December 5th of 2012. So it's a fairly new game. Uh, it's the first game released by Wormwood Studios. They're a small independent developer. Uh, they were founded in January 29th of 2009. So this game actually, you know, took them a while to put together here. Uh, so Primordia was built with the Adventure Game Studio engine, which is available over on the adventuregamestudio.uk.co.uk website. Uh, it's a, I think, I, I stopped by there. I think it's like a, pretty much like an open-ended, I don't think you have to pay for it or anything. You can just 
I'm yeah, I'm not sure. I, I did take a look at it, and I was looking at some of the other games that were made for it, and uh, it looks pretty cool. Um, mm. But yeah, I think uh, you can get it for free to download it and and use it. Um, I, I guess if you release a game commercially, you, there's probably that might be something there, right? Something yeah, some involved. kind of license. Yeah, I actually I, I did download it at some point to kind of fart around. I'm a I'm a programmer in in, in you know real life. Oh, so, so you're uh, familiar. You're familiar. I knew with that. This. Ab- I actually knew that about you. I think you and I had a conversation once on the Extra Life forums about like Cold Fusion or something. Yes, like a yes. Really <laughs> long time. Really long time ago. <laughs> yeah, most likely that's yes. I'm a I'm a I'm a web developer by day. So yep, yeah, I, I mess around right. with that a little bit. And yeah, it is it is free. And I think there is some kind of commercial licensing if you do sell a game and and stuff like that nice oh, cool did you did you enjoy using it like i didn't get too far into it i was just kind of more curious i just want to poke around i'm i'm more of a code monkey so you know the kind of art side of things i i would have kind of fallen flat so or, uh, okay all right well cool that's neat that you had experience with it and see you mm-hmm. are the perfect candidate for this for this game Woo-hoo. i think <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. lead character horatio he was voiced by logan cunningham and he was known for his work as the narrator in Bastion, which we've previously played on Game Club. Uh, so I thought Steve uh, thought that was worth adding in. I agreed. Um, the look of the game... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the look of the game... <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it looks like old-style like 2D pixel art, but all the art was actually all hand-drawn like on paper, and it was actually scanned in and digitally painted. So that's all my notes on Primordia. I don't actually have too much. Um... So yeah, that leads us into Randy. You kind of like to tell us how uh, how these games work. So why don't you tell us how it works? Honestly, when I was I was thinking about that for this time, I was like, if you don't know how to play a point and click adventure game, then you just need to <laughs> you just need to quit being human or alive or something. But uh, honestly, it's, you cannot die in uh, in Primordia. Uh, everything is just literally point and click you click on objects in the environment you go and you pick them up or you go and you interact with them and that is it it, it is the title of the genre is exactly what you do within the genre so it is a point you know, and click it, game i mean i'm not a point and click like uh master here i haven't played many of them but isn't kind of the fun of a lot of point and click games the different ways you die some of them, they, they used to be. Like, in some point-and-click games, you can die, but more of the fun that people find out of point-and-click adventures are the uh, the pixel hunts, which is trying to find the, the hidden items in the environment that are interactable, and uh, just the puzzles. Like, a lot of people really enjoy the puzzles. Some people enjoy the super obscure puzzles. Some people just like being logical and finding the solution to themselves and, and kind of working their way through it. Um, and then there's the third type of person who plays point-and-click adventures because they're not super hard. They're not supposed to be, um, or they, they sometimes aren't. Uh, but they really enjoy the story that can be told of it because they're just kind of a shade above television. And they're about as, I don't want to say they're non-interactive, but as far as the interactive level goes versus any other type of video game out there, they're pretty low on the scale. They're very, very scripted, I guess we could say. Yeah, they're very scripted. They're they're slightly more interactive than Dear Esther, but uh, less interactive than a Japanese role-playing game. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I guess this there's game, something wrong with me. Go ahead. I mean, this game does have <laughs> I like, some... I like killing people. No. <laughs> <laughs> this game does have some... Uh, it does have some consequence, right? Because there are some some branching um, decisions and stuff. Things that you know, if you make the wrong choice, it, it doesn't let you can't unless you create save states like I did. Uh, you can't uh, redo things. You know, you're, you've get basically given one chance, and if you screw it up, um, I, I don't I don't know how spoilery we want to get in this episode. I was going to try to avoid anything too uh, well, in depth because I'd like people well, to have the chance to play it and not, but, but what comes to mind is there's a, a early on, there's a puzzle where you're, there's a, a an AI in a, a computer screen and he's jumping between four different computer screens and you're, you're trying to trap him and you're basically destroying the screens. And if you accidentally destroy the one he's in, you don't know which one he's in at the time, but if you destroy the one he's in, you kill him. I and him. did you? Yeah. It's possible to not kill him also, which All then right. gets you stuff for later in the game. Um, so that kind of stuff is in there. So it's not that you die, but there are some consequences to making the wrong decisions or, or not doing something correctly. Which right, is kind of a, which is a neat alternative to just dying, you know, to changing mm-hmm. your, your gameplay experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Um, so do we want to dive into, since we're kind of already dipping in there, do we want to get into our thoughts? Uh, who wants to go first? Joe. Joe, you haven't said much. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll go first. Uh, so just our general thoughts, just kind of what I thought of it overall. Um, frankly, I, I, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a, a very, very serviceable kind of uh, traditional adventure game. In, serviceable. Like, serviceable, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> well, like, is, that, thing, is like... that like a backhanded compliment kind of like a... <laughs> well, I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't particularly groundbreaking. Like, you know, if... if yeah like me and I know like like many of you guys you you played these kind of classic 2D point and click adventure games it's it's very similar to to a lot of those it reminded me a lot of say like full throttle from LucasArts from I guess yeah. the mid 90s I covered that on my show a little while back which is maybe why it came to my mind but it was kind of like you know post apocalyptic obviously and um but you know the gameplay the gameplay was very very fun and the, the puzzles were were very varied I found it wasn't just this very traditional like get something in your inventory, combine it with something else, and then use that to open some door, which obviously did happen in the game quite a bit. But there were other puzzles, like I think there was one where you have to like draw uh, wires to different circuits. So there was like this kind of drawing element to one of the puzzles. There's a whole bunch of really weird, you know, logic kind of riddle type puzzles, which are frankly very difficult. <laughs> and, uh, but like you said, um, even if you don't get them on the first shot, some of them you only have one chance to get, but there's other ways to get through the game. And maybe that's another reason I, I kind of related it to more of a LucasArts type game. Because when I talk about adventure games, I kind of talk about them as there being two camps. There's the LucasArts adventure games where you go through, you can do whatever you want in almost kind of almost any order and you can't die. And then there's the other camp, which I call with which are the Sierra adventure games, where which is probably what you were kind of referring to before. Mm-hmm which are the ones like Space Quest and King's Quest where if you take one step the wrong way, you die. Or if you enter the room before you're supposed to, you die. Or you don't type something in time and you die. So that's yeah. kind of the other extreme. And this game is most definitely not that way. But uh, no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I like the art style. Um, I know I think I read on uh, the developers are actually pretty active on the GOG forum for the game. Hmm. And... Um, you know, I think the one of the artists. This is actually the developers. I think they're only a three a three person team that built this whole game, mm-hmm. and um, they they drew all the art and everything in high res. And then the fun of it was was uh, you know pixelizing it, making it two D. And uh, I think I know one of the reasons for that was um, was obviously an homage to kind of old adventure games. Yeah. But the other reason that uh, that the artist was saying was that. Frankly, if they did everything in high res, it would have taken him about two years to do all the animation. So there was also a bit of a practical angle to uh, to going through that. But yeah, the art was great. The voice acting was surprisingly good. And um, yeah, I mean, overall, I just I, I quite liked it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, wow. I think the, the voice acting was really kind of a high point uh, for me, uh, which isn't to say I didn't enjoy other aspects of the game. But I, I think the voice acting really stood out. Um, and one thing Phil and I had been talking about the other day over Instant Messenger was that the the uh, Horatio and Crispin, the two characters, have a very Snake and Otacon kind of rapport. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I never even thought about it, but you're totally right. They do. I actually yeah. thought, I said to Steve, I go, I think, the, I, th- I was like, I think the robot is Otacon. I was like, I think it might be him. I looked it up, and it's not him. But. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's funny, <laughs> and Crispin even calls Horatio boss quite a bit as well, right. which, he you does. know, yeah, dude, that's pretty... Hmm. Yeah. I, I think there were some some intentional nods to that relationship, um, but yeah, I, I, it was not the same act. Obviously, not the same voice actors, but yeah, there were there was a couple moments, a couple things he said, and and there would be some some lines that uh, Horatio even delivered that almost sounded like Snake a little bit, which kind of <laughs> made me laugh a couple times. Like he would he would say something and then just like pause and like wait and then <laughs> <laughs> like I could almost see you could see the dot 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 like above his head or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought the the voice acting was phenomenal, and especially once you start when you get to Metropole and you start meeting some of the other robots and stuff, and some of the characters you encounter, uh, really uh, really high quality voice acting. Damn. Um, and I guess the reason I, I, I also bring that up is because I have played. There's uh, I think two other, at least two other sets of adventure games from this Wad Jedi Studios. Yeah. One of them being uh, the Blackwell series. Mm-hmm. I played the first two of those, and they're the voice acting was a quite a bit more amateurish i guess we could say hmm. 
And uh, I guess the other one is Resonance, and I have that. I bought it from GOG. I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. And though everything I hear about that one is it's quite good. Hmm. So I and guess I, you know. And I, from what I when I was reading through notes, those guys, the publisher Wadjet, they were the ones that actually supplied like the voice actors to Wormwood Studios, something like that. Like that was like their role, like in publishing. Like they they did stuff like they found the actors. So I guess in between those games, maybe they got some better connections or were able to step it up since you said the one was pretty amateurish. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game and all, but definitely yeah. there was some voice acting that uh, you know left a little bit to be desired, I guess we could say. Mm-hmm. A common thing in many games. <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other thoughts. I mean, I some of the puzzles, I, must, I, I could... But, just possibly be really stupid but i uh got stuck on quite a few and i found myself going out and and kind of looking things up and because there was some especially early on and i think a lot of it was just kind of figuring out the rhythm of how the game works and and what their logic is for puzzles and stuff so early on you know there was things where you have to combine um things in your inventory but you not only have to combine them but you have to do, like, if you have two things in, I'm holding up my fingers so people listening on the podcast are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. But <laughs> if there's two things in your inventory and you drag one on top of it, he'll be like, that won't work. And then you drag the, take the other one and drag that onto the first thing, and then it works. And then you're like, oh, okay, I solved it. And that kind of stuff I I found to be a little frustrating. Um I guess that's just the nature of how these games are. And, and uh, outside of the Sierra games, I never... I don't have a ton of experience with uh, adventure games, um, so m- maybe that's just my ignorance. Um, no, dude, that's that's the way all adventure games play. And what's funny is, like, I I, I made a pr- I didn't have a whole ton of time to to play this game, and I got to admit I didn't finish it, and I clearly did not get nearly as far as you guys. But that's always been like one of my hangups with uh, with adventure games is like the the irrational combination of, of inventory items to create solutions to your puzzles, you know? Um, and I thought to myself, I'm going to stop wherever I kind of get stopped by the game and I didn't get too far. And, and I found myself like doing what you were talking about, but just like going through my inventory and just like slamming one item on top of the other to see if something would go. Um, but right now I'm officially, I'm officially stuck in the game. Hmm. Where? I am at the point where, um, and people are people who are watching this, by the way, probably don't need to worry too much about visual spoilers because clearly I didn't get too far, and I, <laughs> and I clearly didn't get too far too quickly either. Um, but I, I got to, I, I found a a sentry robot who is guarding an atomic bomb or at least like a hydrogen bomb or some kind of giant bomb behind him, and we need to get the power core out of it. And I answered okay. the questions about humanity improperly. And now we need to go out and find a piece of glass for him. And I've looked everywhere, uh, and I can't, I can't find a piece of glass. And so it's I'm, in the, ju- it's in the junkyard. Everything's where, in the junkyard. Where, where in the junkyard though? Like where? <laughs> well, I think what happens is with the junkyard, as you go back throughout the game at different points, and the, actually. I'm putting a pin in this because I want to mention something about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you go back to different places at different points in the game, things that might not have been interactive before are, are can, now suddenly can inactive. become interactive based That's on maybe annoying. things that. You, well, yeah, but that, I mean, <laughs> it's also dependent on things that you might not have had before that now you do, you know, things like that. But what I wanted to mention about the junkyard, and I actually had to start the game over because I encountered a game breaking bug. Really? And I really? looked it up on their forums, and it actually. They said, "Yeah, you're screwed." Basically, mm, a couple wow. other people had the same problem. So, this is just a warning. Uh, there was an. Uh, I bought the game back when it came out on uh, on Good Old Games, and uh, so I had it, and I had played it for a while, and I played it some more, and then when we started for the show, uh, there was an update. So I updated the game, and it corrupted my save file, so I couldn't go back to the junkyard. Every time I tried to go to the junkyard, the game would crash, oh. and I'd get this. I'd get this crazy, mm. like, uh, you know, random. BS code uh, error message in a pop-up from from the adventure game studio uh, uh, software. So I, I went on their website and went in their forums and searched, and I found it. And sure enough, same exact place. People trying to go to the junkyard after doing the update um, had had this issue. So I ended up uh, starting my game over after the patch, and then it was fine. But hmm. it's just so if you're out there and just be careful with your 
game saves and patches. They, they, you know, the developers were commenting in the thread as well, and they, they apologized. Not, not the developers of Primordia. I think it was the developers of the game studio. Um, they were apologizing and just saying, you know, they really tried to make sure that updates aren't going to, you know, screw up game save. Sometimes, you know, things happen. And, huh. Eh, you know, it wasn't – that. maybe if it was like a, a, a larger game, you know, where I had put like – if it was like Skyrim and I had put like 70-some hours into it and my game <laughs> save got, you know. <laughs> I might be a I little upset. Prob- yeah, yeah <laughs> I might have been a little angrier, but – for like a ten dollar game where I had was maybe only like an hour or so into it anyway, it wasn't like a huge uh, deal to go back and redo yeah. that stuff. But and, so it's, just, and especially a game like this where like that hour you could probably do like in fifteen minutes when you know what you're doing. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely you know? that that helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although some things I forgot. So like I right. said, I, I actually <laughs> thought it was a bit it was a bit interesting because when I, I did go in and download the game on GOG, I kind of went there and I said, okay, I'm gonna go install the game. So I go there and there's the installer, and then all of a sudden there's an update under there. I'm like, well, why wouldn't they just roll the update into the installer? It just <laughs> seemed a little <laughs> janky to me, but you know there there must be some reason. Hmm. It sucked how they hid the um just speaking of like I don't know just like crappy things with their with the software or whatever. It sucked how they hid the window mode outside of the game cuz Randy you wanted to know. Yeah. You're like is there any way to play this in a window like in a windowed mode and I wanted to play it in a window too. You have to go into like the Steam like directory and then there's some kind of execute in uh, there and you switch it, it to windowed through there. Yeah. You don't actually do uh, it through the game. A, it's a little easier if you get it um, not through Steam. If you play oh, through, really? If you play it through the good old games version, uh, if you just go in your start menu where the game is, there's a uh, there's a, another executable in the same directory called settings. Yeah, that's uh, the executable that you got to find. But when you're running it through Steam, you, it's, it's not like It's listed. buried in your Steam apps mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a little more uh, intuitive when, when it's not installed through that. Yeah, that was kind of annoying yeah. for me because when I do any of my games, Gaming, especially if I'm recording the gaming, I play on you know screen one, and my recording goes onto the to my secondary screen, and I need to kind of see if it's being recorded because there's a lot of times when Fraps says it's recording but it's not. But um, the game automatically sets itself to I think 800 by 600 resolution, and that just pushes all of your you know all of your windows and everything just far off to the right if you're, yeah. if you're doing multiple monitors oh yeah it all just goes to hell I yeah it, it does everything becomes huge and everything's pushed off to the side and you're like what is this but um this yeah. is how everyone saw everything in 1994 <laughs> <laughs> yeah really yeah. <laughs> my you know i i gotta admit i really in what i played of the game i really enjoyed i loved the voice acting i thought the art style was really cool though i wish they went a little heavier on some of the colors aside from brown um the storyline from what i heard was was really great um i loved the nods to just general science fiction kind of going around like uh there was a a tom servo head in the foreground of one of the screens where he says i thought it was a bubblegum machine and they were like oh i didn't even get that (laughs) yeah if you look in the foreground tom servo is broken right in the foreground it's pretty cool and there was actually a, a, a very blatant uh fallout reference once you got into metropole you could uh one of the items you could buy off of that vendor guy was was a water chip. Oh, nice! Mm. Yeah. There was a there was a crowbar reference too for Half Life in there. Mm-hmm. That's and the awesome. crowbar actually comes in damned handy, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, the the only thing that uh, this is the only thing that kind of functionally bothered me about it. Um, for an adventure game like this, they're typically they have them broken down into difficulty levels. When you play them, there's normally like the easy, normal, and hard where the hard won't give you any help hints at all. I, I like playing my adventure games on easy because I, I hate having to look up clues and I hate getting stumped for hours upon hours upon end. Some people love it. I don't. Um, there was no help button for me to just point out or blink somewhere on the screen. Just show me something that I'm screwing up. Like uh, point me in the right direction so I can get the story moving again. Um, I, I desperately wanted a manual help button and a lot of adventure games right. have them. So, right. Yeah, really the only thing that you could do was just click on Crispin a lot and hope that he would eventually yeah. give you some kind of And then he gets mad. If you click on him too much, he gets mad. He gets mad, <laughs> or sometimes he just doesn't have any helpful information, or like his information is based on where you are. So like if you're on one screen, mm-hmm. he'll, he might have helpful information, but if you're on a completely right. different screen, he's like, mm, nope, I got nothing. Um, so and, and then you have to decipher it through the snark. Right. Yeah. I love <laughs> the his filter. snark, by the way. I did too. I did too. I, I, like you say, like you guys said, I, I really love kind of the their interactions. Just in general, it really made the game that much more entertaining. 
And I guess yeah, it's not just the voice acting that was great. We we always mentioned we've been mentioning the voice acting, but the writing on top of that was also quite good. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All the lines they deliver, and I mean, obviously, yeah, you you need good writing to get to get the voice actors to pull off a a good performance as well. Uh, Phil, you've been kind of a uh, kind of quiet over there. What are you what are you thinking about? Um, I'm not thinking about much. Actually. What you thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, you you know. Joe, when you said serviceable, I, I was just like, yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. I, you know, like, I just didn't, like, I felt like the last, like, hour and a half I put onto the game, I felt like I was just kind of forcing myself to, like, put more time onto it just for the sake of being able to talk about it on Game Club, you know? And I just, the last point-and-click game I played, I don't know if it's fair to compare it, but was The Walking Dead, which we did for Game Club. Yeah, not really fair to compare and, it. Yeah, but, you know, I guess it's not fair, but they're pretty similar types of games, and and I didn't really have much of an interest to play that game, Walking Dead, but when I started playing it, like, I really got into it, and I didn't think I would get into it. And in this one, I went into it just kind of not saying I didn't want to play it, but I didn't really know anything about it, and I was just like, okay, let's see what this is about, and I was just like, okay, this is what it is about, and I, I've kind of had enough. So, you know, I think it's, like Joe said, I think it's a serviceable game. For me, I guess I'm not, like, a big point-and-click guy, so it, like, didn't, I guess it didn't, like, grab me. But, like like you guys said, like, it's got, like, like the voice acting's good, the, the stuff between the characters is pretty good. The art, I like the art, but, Randy, like you said, it's very... It's very brown. It's very dreary. I even like sent you a message earlier today saying this game kind of makes me like depressed playing it. <laughs> it does. It, it, you know, like the music <laughs> is just kind of droning, and you're just and you know you're just looking at like this shit wasteland. It's like, oh yeah, here here we are in this fun world <laughs> in 800 by 600 <laughs> resolution. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, brown and it's blocky. I didn't yeah, mind the brown uh, stuff that much. I I I I see I what mean, you're I saying. I guess though. it has to be brown. I mean, it's. It's the end of the world and everything's a robot. I mean, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just but, got out of reviewing the first two Fallout's for for my show, and you know that's post-apocalyptic yeah. as can be. And you know, <laughs> the Fallout one and two are are brown and brown and gray <laughs> and black and brown. So now, yeah. now what I thought was interesting, like when I was playing it, was I was kind of getting into the story. Like they keep talking about. Um, you know, a man created machine. You're like, well, man is the perfect machine. So, you know, their understanding of man is different than than what we may think. You know, than what we think or we know man is. Um, so, I I kind of was curious to get to the bottom of that. And my thought was, I don't really want to play to find that out. I want to just kind of just read about it. Let me go find like, <laughs> let me go find the the story written the, somewhere, the, which the, I didn't f- do. But what's that? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to talk over you, but I, I, I no. yeah, I think the fiction of the game is really interesting, and, yeah. and uh, I, I would almost like to see more from this universe. Like, I'd like to see it expanded upon, and maybe even other other mediums. Uh, I think they've got something cool going on there. Right, and I think yeah. maybe that that's why I started off with with serviceable because they created this really great world, this kind of really rich backstory, and this world that that you know I want to know more about. But then you kind of play through the game, and the game is entertaining, and then you kind of get closer to the end, and it does this big build-up to this incredible ending, and then it just kind of goes, eh. It just kind of fizzles a little bit. Like <laughs> It's interesting that you, that you compared it, uh, you know, the comparison to The Walking Dead, um, both being, you know, re- recently made games in a similar genre where Walking Dead is more like the evolution of that genre and this is more like a faithful recreation yeah. of of that of you know another era uh in games um but it's it's funny how they kind of mirror each other in some ways and then um but like you were saying the walking dead for you was a more enjoyable experience just because i think it's a bit more refined whereas a lot of this game you know there's a lot of times where you're literally just hovering your mouse all, right. you know, every pixel of the screen trying to find the thing that, like, pops something up and it's like, oh, I'll click on that, you know. So, uh, whereas I never really, I don't really remember, I think The Walking Dead had a lot of, like, UI hints and stuff like that and little yeah. blips and, yeah. and things to tell you where to click. And 
I, I guess the argument could be made either way as to whether or not one is, is if that's too much hold, hand-holding, uh, and this is this is kind of harkens back to that hardcore experience of being like, no, you, you're going to mouse over everything until you yeah. figure out what you got to do. Well, even um, like what we, you mentioned it earlier, or I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but you mentioned how you compared it to Virtue's Last Reward, which we both played through on uh, 3DS. It's, they're nothing alike. But you compared the puzzles, and you said that you felt like when you were solving the puzzles in Virtue's Last Reward, which they're both, you're kind of clicking around, you're just seeing basically what's important. Um, in that way, they're kind of similar. And yeah. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, because it's your thought. So I want... Well, yeah, uh, I was just going to say, I, yeah, to elaborate on what I had said in, in this other conversation and, and to, to bring it up for here, I, I think I... Comparing this today, they're two totally different types of games, I guess, really. Uh, Virtue's Last Reward and Primordia, but the puzzle element is is similar in a way. Um, but I think I personally, I just prefer that kind of puzzle uh, gameplay, where I feel like I in Virtue's Last Reward, you're presented with a puzzle and you have the opportunity to kind of play with it for a while. And they're usually like brain buster puzzles or something involving math or, or something like that. And, but you're given the opportunity to sit there and kind of fool around with it and try and figure out how it works until you understand it. And then it kind of, your brain just kind of solves it as you, uh, spend time playing with it. You, Whereas you with know, this, I felt like I was, like I said earlier, I felt like a lot of times, and this is stuff I had to look up to tell me how to do it. Then I was, and I was just like, oh, well, I was supposed to drag that onto that instead of this onto that. And, and you know, that, that kind of stuff. I, I think I just prefer that other type of puzzle game. Right. And yeah. that, and the dragging this on that, as opposed to that on this is that that's really a UI kind of developer kind of problem. Like it, it really should just work both ways. If you put the crystal on the wire or the wire on the crystal, it should make the same right. thing. Right. right. <laughs> you know what else? Like, Speaking of just, like, combining items, like, in Virtue's Last Reward, when you're combining items, like, it kind of makes sense. It's like, okay, well, I have this screw, and it goes into this thing that's missing a screw. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's logical, whereas the, when you're combining elements in this game, it's, like, these sort of, like, fictional weird elements that they created, and then you're just kind of, like, slop. Like, you don't understand what these pieces are, but... You know, they make sense in the game world. Am I making sense right now? Makes sense to me. No, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like, and so you're like combining things. You don't even know what they are, but the character knows what they are. And you're just like, okay, I, I guess this just made a big cable. Like, okay. You know, like, I, it's not very logical to yeah, us because right. the items are unfamiliar to us. And I don't yeah, know I if this was. Oops, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Joe. Please. Okay. And I don't know if this was intentional kind of on the developer's part as a nod to older games or not, but it seemed like. A lot of the puzzles in this game involved opening doors. Like, door after you get to a place, you have to open a door. Get to another place, you have to open another door. To the point where near the end of the game, I think it was Crispin who kind of, you walk into an area and he's like, ah, another door. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like the the characters in the game are getting annoyed because you're opening so many damn doors. Yeah. (laughs) That's when the writers should have been like, wait a minute. What what are we doing here with this game? (laughs) (laughs) How many more doors can we put them through? But yeah, so, I, I, it brings up a yeah. It's yeah, all the puzzles would open up a door. Well, right. I, guess, <laughs> I guess that's what Zelda's like that, and I can't get enough of that. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, and you know, I even wrote it down in my notes here. I guess this game to me is kind of like a decent movie. It's a movie that I'll I'll watch one time, I'll enjoy it that time I watch it. Am I gonna watch it again? No, probably not. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's a pretty good, fair summary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, for people who are, are hardcore about adventure games, um, I can't imagine that they prob- have not already played this game as it's right. been out for six months or whatever. But uh, uh, f- for people who haven't, I would say if, if you're really into adventure games and especially if you're into, uh, you know, those kind of classics, uh, the Lucas, uh, the Sierra games and uh, from from back in the day, uh, definitely, the game's 10 bucks. If you buy it on good old games, you get the soundtrack, you get a bunch of art, and uh, you even get outtake files of the voice actors and stuff like that. And uh, Cool. Neat. You, you get a lot of stuff for 10 bucks. It's it's definitely a deal. For people who are maybe on the fence and aren't uh, huge adventure fan games but like the art style and are curious to check it out, uh, it's it's been part of bundles in the past, I believe. It was part of one of the indie bundles for a while there. 
Um, I forget which one, but uh, and I'm sure you'll be you could find it on sale at some. I, th- point I think as it's well. actually on sale today on GOG. Wow, wow. Really? Yeah, that's funny. I didn't even notice that. I haven't been on there in a while. But... <laughs> I, I thought I got an email about that today, but I thought huh. it was coincidental. Wow. Also, before I played this game, I kept getting confused with Deponia. Like, what's I'm that? Told, oh, Deponia. Yeah. Yeah. Primordia, Deponia. I mean, they're, they're, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are we playing Primordia? Or are we playing Deponia? I can't just. Can't. Did you play Deponia as well? Did you? Really I, like? I, ha- I haven't. So that's the, I hadn't. Played this, I hadn't played Deponia, so I was just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, Randy, what are your? Uh, you got any final thoughts? No, on, I mean, uh, that, that, my final my final thought is, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're into this kind of game, like you said, the price is right. Check it out. Um, if you're not a point-and-click guy, I don't think this is going to be the game that changes your mind or, or gets you into the genre. Um, my final thoughts, I thought that the... the uh, I, for the, Whenever I played the game, the names always kind of stuck out to me. Horatio is not a very common name. You know, and honestly, mm-hmm. whenever I hear the name Horatio, I think of Hamlet. And, and uh, I think that it's probably a good name to name the, the main character because in Hamlet... Uh, Horatio is is kind of a play on words for um, orator to be speaker, and and Horatio is very much a speaker within this game. But um, Crispin, every time I think of the name Crispin, I think of Crispin Glover trying to do karate on, <laughs> on the Letterman show. So I mean, it, my brain goes from Letterman oh, to Hamlet, you know, all in one, all in one thing. You're not a fan of uh, Horatio Hornblower? You ever watched that movie? <laughs> no, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's no it's it's not that kind of movie it's a it's a uh, old uh old uh naval battle movie about a, a guy in the british navy though i'm sure confident there is a there is one of those other kinds of movies called probably probably, yeah. probably. <laughs> never saw it though never saw it yeah yeah i've, I've sat through it a couple times it's all right <laughs> that's what i kept that's what i kept thinking of every time they said horatio but i you know what there was a couple other things and I, i'm wanted to i forgot i wanted to mention i did like i did like uh the naming convention for all the robots like horatio was null built and then crispin was uh crispin horatio built and then you'd meet other characters and their last names was whoever built them whoever built them Uh, was their last name i like that there was a lot of other little uh like i liked that uh um he would use b-sod as like a uh swear almost like a swear word (laughs) yeah like the blue screen of death. <laughs> I didn't uh, pick up on that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the little things like that in the writing again, just really cool stuff. So yeah, I, there I was there, there was another another one I wrote down there saying, you know, like I could, uh, I, I I like this just as much as a pair of unbalanced brackets. Which again, it's just like these dumb like, programmer <laughs> jokes, which I found yeah. hilarious. But yeah, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff like that in there. And that's kind of a big a hallmark kind of 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 older adventure games. They were very. Especially the Sierra ones and the LucasArts ones as well. And I know there were other companies that did it too. They were very inside baseball. Like they referred to other games that the same company had made. They referred to the developers of the games and all all these things like that. So I found that was a little nod to kind of the older game, older adventure games where they would kind of be self-referential or just kind of they the game knew that it was a game and it knew that it was inside a computer kind of a thing. So mm-hmm, that whole fourth wall thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. We did get a couple uh, thoughts from the community. Uh, Talon posted on our Facebook page, said Primordia was an excellent game. It makes you question our humanity while cherishing what life has to offer. Hmm. I found it to be a very, pardon the pun, unique experience. Hoping for more games like this. I got that took it. Me a, that took me a second. I was just like, where's the pun here? Where's the pun? I was like, oh, you need. Uh, <laughs> oh, now I get it. No, I got it. Yeah. Uh, and Antonis uh, said, such an awesome game. Man, a few words, but thank you very much, guys, for the, uh, <laughs> the feedback on the game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and we got a little, uh, some other feedback I wanted to throw in because we, we do the stuff that people say about the games, but a lot of times people leave stuff on, you know, they post on our YouTube uh, page and on Facebook and send us stuff on Twitter and, and emails. So I wanted to send, point out a couple of those. Uh, this was from uh, Hilath EXE, uh, and he uh, said that he hopes to see Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate someday on Game Club. 
<laughs> because he wants to hear our opinions of it. You know what's funny? I, I was... would love to play a Monster Hunter game on on Game Club one day if we had the time to do it. I know? would. I was gonna say I would too. But Monster Hunter doesn't quite qualify as a Game Club game. That's true. It's not. It's not indie and it's not retro. But at the same time, it's not quite mainstream either. You know, I. It is not indie, but. But you can't play Monster Hunter Three. That's true. I can't. You, you need to get a Wii U, man. Or a Wii U. We'll have to kick you off the show that episode. Put Trevor in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you know what? I don't. Randy, how do you say? Uh, I know he's posted a lot on our site. Skyline. Skyline is that how you say? Yeah. It? Okay. Not Cy- uh, Not Zyklon, which is not Zyklon B. Yeah, not Zyklon I, B, which is bad <laughs> stuff. But Skyline. Yes. I originally, <laughs> I originally wrote uh, Zyklon, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's not what it is. And I double checked, and I'm like, oh, the K is first. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce Skyline. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a great guy. He's been commenting on our stuff for a long time now. Yep. Yep. He's a NeoGaf guy too. I see him. Oh really? On there every oh. now. And I've seen seen his name floating around in a couple threads uh he just he left a nice little note he said really enjoy watching game club lately it's been a, still a bit too long for me but <laughs> right now i'm sick and i can't sleep so i have time i wonder if i'll make it to his comment on this episode <laughs> so, so basically he likes the show but it's a bit too long but since he has nothing better to do yeah yeah thanks hey, wait yeah. A minute. Yeah, you're right it's kind of a huh. <laughs> no but thanks guys appreciate it hey this uh, is short numbers. compared to some podcasts some podcasts out there are like three hours long yeah that's crazy we try and keep it under an hour yeah yeah some no, podcasts no, no more than an take hour. me like a week to listen to basically i finish listening to it and then the, that morning like a new one will be posted it, or it's like lunchtime or time to go home from work you know yeah, like an no, hour, no. hour fifteen, kind of pushing it. You're 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 doing okay. Once you get over that, it's just people yeah. don't have that much free time. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, and I and I'm one of those people that I can't um I can't listen to podcasts while I work. I have a really hard time focusing. Uh, and Joe, you may have the I don't know if you have the same with programming. I can't concentrate on the programming. The podcast, whatever I'm listening to, turns into background noise, and the episode will end, and I'll be like, I didn't hear anything anyone said. Right. There's some so. I can listen to while I work, and there's some I can't. So it right. just really yeah. depends on it. Depends how much I want to pay attention to what's going on in the podcast, or if I do just want some noise. That's true. Right. You know, yeah. Steve, wanna, as, as long as you are like turning it into background noise and not accidentally typing what you were hearing into the into the code, <laughs> <laughs> that that could cause some problems. I just need some noise to drown out the guy that sits next to me who yells at his mom on the phone all day. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so, great. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's the it, it's it's a it's a two headphone blast a blast the podcast this morning. Re- record <laughs> record that and turn it into a podcast. That that would be an incredible <laughs> podcast. I love I like the fact that it's his mom that he's yelling at and yeah. not like it. Not a not his wife or something. Yeah. No, some, it's it, it's his mom or it's his wife or it's his oh, brother. Okay. It's his, it's, it really depends on the day. But I see. All right, I got you. <laughs> You're right though. The, the the mom part is what really makes that funny. It is funny. Ma, ma, what are you on? What are you doing? Stop calling me. What? You, no, I'm not. I'm not going to pick up chicken or whatever. No. The guy's like 42. Uh, it's awesome. So oh, let's no. see. What do we got next time on the game club? Uh, Phil and I actually already recorded the episode with uh, with Mikhail Yazbek um, from Fat Shark and and a few other things where we recorded Magic Carpet Two. Ooh. Which is an old three-dimensional uh, shooter game from, like, 95, I think it was, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, 95. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I unfortunately uh, was on vacation last week and was unable to partake in the episode. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing it, though. You Joe, should. Did you... He, he actually partook. He, was, uh, he played a hand in one of my favorite games, uh, Mountain Blade Warband, and, uh, you know, also in uh, Mountain Blade Warband, Napoleonic Wars. So it was really cool to kind of pick his brain a little bit about that. But then, of course, we talked about Magic Carpet 2 as well. Joe, did you go, ooh, when they mentioned Magic Carpet 2? Are you? I did, familiar? I did. You like, do you uh, like Magic Carpet 2? I've definitely heard it. I don't, I don't, re- I don't recall if I've played it specifically, oh, but right. I, I do recall. I was writing it down because that's, that's, that's definitely one that I should, uh, I should cover. It, is, uh, it was by... Phil, who was it? Le- it was a secret, Leapfrog? secret Peter Peter, Mol- Paul, Peter Molyneux game. Yeah. Peter Molyneux, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a. Wait, did you say it was a secret Peter? Molyneux? Well, it was a secret because I had no idea. I'm sure most people <laughs> I knew, but like when I, I was, was looking like his stuff, Alan Smithy. 
no, or no. Like that. It was a secret because I was, we were, you know, we were just playing Magic Carpet Two, and I just didn't. When I started looking up stuff, I was like, oh, it's a Peter Molyneux game. Like, okay. Uh, as far okay, as Peter Molyneux games go, this one was a secret. He wasn't like promising, you know, end all be all games <laughs> like he did with the black and white series or the. Fable I'm going to take you on a carpet. There's going to be a carpet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and this carpet. I'm sorry. It's going to change the, change the gaming industry's view of magic carpets. <laughs> the player's going to have infinite freedom where you're going to be able to do anything from the carpet. And the world will be dynamically changing all the time. <laughs> the funny thing about that guy is I have not really played many of his games, but like whenever I hear him talk, I'm like, okay, yeah, like this guy, I, like. I don't know. The way he speaks, you just start believing his bullshit. It's like the picture. It's like the don't believe his lies. Like, he starts talking. It's the I think it's the accent, and it's his very soothing voice. You're like, okay. Like, I, when he did that fucking Milo shit, I was, I was believing it. I was like, this is cool. This is good. And then, you know, I came to my senses, like, a couple hours later. I was like, wait, wait a minute. What is this? But you as it was up. happening, I, you I was into it. You woke up on the floor, it. and you were like, what? Hey, what? <laughs> As he was talking about mine, I was like, okay, I'll throw some books at this kid or whatever and, and get him to color me a picture. Like, But, yeah, I don't know. He, he just has a way with words, that guy. And, and that's why people believe his lies. Don't believe very, his lies. He's very engaging. <laughs> he, 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 I remember he uh, there was one, one Kickstarter or another that he was trying to get going, and I think I posted it over on, on my Facebook group, and, and people just started groaning. Oh yeah, it's I like, grunted really? that too. I didn't because I couldn't hear him talk on the Kickstarter, so I right. didn't believe. It. I knew not to believe it. It's like he hasn't really come through on a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, people are finally they're finally coming to terms that yes, he's not he's not doing what he says he's doing. Right. But well. <laughs> So, uh, Joe, uh, um, why don't you go ahead and uh, could you let the people at home know how they can uh, find your show and everything and uh, check it out? Because I highly recommend they do. It's a great show. Sure. So uh, if you want to check out the Upper Memory Block podcast, you can check it out at umbcast.com. And uh, there's a Facebook group. You can search for that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, BillyBob476. And the show's Twitter is umbshow. Yes, because it's different yep. from, from the website. <laughs> I didn't have it in front of me. <laughs> nice, nice. So all those links, of course, are going to be, if you're watching this on YouTube, they will all be available in the description below the video, so be sure to check out Joe's stuff, please. Mm -hmm. Joe, do you have, a, do you have a, um, a YouTube channel that people can subscribe to? I do not. I do not I do not do video, unfortunately. That, that uh, you know, maybe maybe going into my second year, that's uh, a, a, an angle I can, uh, I can take on. Sounds good. So I know it's really late in the show, but Joe's face is not clickable. Just Phil's. <laughs> when it, when you click oh, on yeah. Phil's I was face, gonna say, cause he has a YouTube, he has a YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. If you click me, you can watch some cartoons. So click me. Damn good cartoons too. <laughs> click Thanks. His face. I need to, I need to make some new ones. As do I. <laughs> if you click my face, it'll just go to this YouTube channel. So. Yeah. <laughs> and since you're watching this, you're probably already there. You're already there. Yeah. yeah. It'll just refresh the video or something. So sorry. <laughs> Infinite happened, loop. Sorry. Infinite loop. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so uh, you can find uh, the, this show uh, on iTunes, and we always say Zoom, and then we all laugh, but it is actually on the Zoom Marketplace, and <laughs> we're also on Stitcher I'm Radio. Still, I'm still <laughs> laughing. And uh, um, if you're listening to the podcast I highly, uh, on an audio device, I highly recommend you head over to the Auto Geek uh, YouTube channel and check out the video version where you can watch Randy clicking and clicking and clicking to no avail. Uh, while you listen to the show, and also check out uh, our great uh, video reviews of games. We just recently posted uh, a Bioshock Infinite review, I think. Yeah, that was the last one. Very recently. As well as uh, Randy's excellent features, his Get Off My Lawn series, and the forthcoming second episode, highly anticipated, of 25 Games for My Son. It has taken me forever to draw this one. Forever. AKA, <laughs> AKA, why did I call it 25 games? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, man, you were aiming too high with 25. Seriously, it should have been 10 or 5. 10 or 5. A solid Two. 5. Or an indeterminate number of games. My son's going to be like 14 when I'm done with this series. <laughs> Two, yeah, Get off two the computer, games, Dad. I two know. Two games for my son. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna yeah. Be... You can just cross off the five in this episode. You just like 
draw the X through the five. Two games for my son. And then you got the whole thing finished. Yeah. You got it all done. I, I, but you know what the funny thing is? I actually still do. I really do want to tell all 25 of the stories. But the, honestly, the hardest part is drawing all of these. I, I, I want to subcontract the drawing. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got, uh, it's going to get a little awkward now. Mm, well... Well, I don't know. Well, maybe. Disconnect. <laughs> disconnect. Oh, my connection's going big, guys. Oh, Wait, what was that? What was that? <laughs> All righty. Well, I think that about does it for this episode of the Game Club. Check us out in a couple weeks for Magic Carpet 2, or maybe sooner. Might be up a little sooner than that. We'll, uh, we'll send out. And, and we haven't decided what we're doing after that, but we'll uh, let you guys know. Yeah, follow uh, us on Facebook. We'll, we'll definitely announce it there as to what game we're going to be playing next. Yep, absolutely. So, for myself, Steve, and Phil and Randy, and Joe, thank you very much again for joining us. It was a pleasure having you here. Uh, We will see you guys uh, later. Have a good night. See you. Night, everybody. Bye-bye.